Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's Word, fellowship, and prayer. Okay, uh, let's do some housekeeping items first. Did everybody get a handout? All right, raise your hand if you didn't get a handout and you need one. Raise it up high until we get a handout to you. You want a handout. You do want a handout. Unless you are like the best note taker in the world and you are hardcore in your note taking abilities. I mean, you could get a handout and you still might struggle. But it's not a contest. It's not a contest. We're not measuring. Uh, my name is Eric Phillips, so I'm not Brandon. Uh, Brandon asked me to preach about a week and a half ago. Now, just for the record, this message, I know it's like, oh, okay, we're talking about thankfulness, you know, like uh, real obvious there, right? Um, since Thanksgiving's coming up. But I already had this message prepared before Brandon asked me to preach, okay? I was, I was working on something else. And then Brandon asked me to preach, and I was like, well, I'm just going to do what's in the oven, right? That's what's been cooking. And so we're going to talk about thankfulness. And, um, you know, this is actually a two-part series, okay? So I'm canceling Brandon's sermon next week. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, It is a two-part series, and unfortunately, I was looking at it, and I was like, do I go forward and try to fit both of them in one Sunday? No. So what you have today is actually only one part. Praise the Lord. Um, And so, you know, next time around, we will trust the Lord for part two of this this, this study on the hidden blessing, the hidden blessing of of thankfulness. And so uh, let's pray. And we got a lot of ground to cover, but we're going to trust the Lord to, to, to get through it. So. Let's pray one more time. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and and how it does sanctify us, Lord, and how you use it to enlighten us. And uh, this subject of thankfulness is one that you've been dealing with me on, uh, Lord. And uh, it's been war this week with this subject. But I I trust that you have something for your people this morning. And so give us uh, eyes to see, ears to hear, Lord, and and willing hearts to, to obey what you're calling us to. Have your way this morning. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so I want to frame our conversation this morning by firstly talking about the will of God. The Bible does give you clarity surrounding what God's will is. And I want to, I want to specify that there is a difference between the will of God and the plan of God. Now, this sounds like D1, right? Because you cover this. If you've been through D1, you've covered this, okay? There is a difference between the will of God and the plan of God. The will of God is the same for everybody, okay? The will of God is the same for everybody, and we're gonna look at that. The plan of God is different by individual. Now, really quick, let's look at an example of the will of God. Go over to 1 Thessalonians chapter four. 1 Thessalonians chapter four, verses three through seven. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which know not God, 
that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we have forewarned you and testified, for God hath not called us to uncleanness, but unto holiness. And so let me make this practical. Okay, so God's plan concerns the specifics of your life. So for example, your vocation. I don't know what you do. Some people, some are nurses, some of you work in engineering, some of you work in construction, some of you are musicians. I'm a businessman. Okay, so that's the plan. God's, the specifics of your life, that would be the plan. God's plan for your life. That's different by person. But God's will is the same for everybody. So no matter what your vocation is, you need to be sanctified, right? No fornication. You abstain from fornication. No matter what you're doing, no matter how you're fulfilling the, the particular plan, God's plan for your life, you have to be holy. You have to be set apart. And I want us to understand that. Uh, and the reason why I want us to understand that, because I want to talk to you about a component of God's will, something that's true for all of us, right, that I think often gets neglected, it often gets neglected, and for whatever reason, it gets overlooked. And if it's not already obvious, it's the subject of thankfulness. Go over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians, oh, you just got to go over one chapter. There you go. It's good for you. Um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything, give thanks. And I'm trusting the Lord this morning to open a window on that concept of everything. So Paul makes this incredibly clear that Christian believers are to be thankful in everything. And I want to suggest to you that the absence of thankfulness is why many believers have the struggles that they have. The absence of thankfulness. In other words, if we simply became more thankful towards God, that would fix a lot of the sin problems that exist in the world today. If we just adjusted our posture to be more thankful towards God. So now let's begin with a definition of thankfulness. You should have that there on your, your handout. So thankfulness is defined as born-again Christians offering gratitude, adoration, and praise towards God. Offering gratitude, adoration, and praise towards God. So it's important to note that this adoration and praise has both audible and inaudible qualities. In other words, if your thankfulness towards God is only always silent, then something is wrong. Both should be present. There should be an element of your thankfulness that, it, that you express outwardly, and then there's an element that gets expressed inwardly. Now, I suppose I can hear the objections, right? Like, oh, we don't want to be too legalistic. You know, what do you mean? We can just be thankful to ourselves, right? Well, now, here's my problem with that. It is interesting that some of the people that feel like it's okay to be thankful only to yourself, when you bring up other subjects, right? Sports, politics, things that any other subject other than Jesus Christ that are of interest to them, they can be some of the loudest, most obnoxious people, right? And so it, it's, 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 all I'm saying is we ought to be able to get excited and be vocal about our love of Christ. If you can do that for the other stuff in your life, there should be an element of your thankfulness um, that is outward and that is vocal. So if the totality of your thankfulness is, is, is silent, then I want to suggest that, that something's wrong. Now, I'm not saying you can't pray to yourself sometimes and that you can't worship in your heart. That's biblical, too. But if that's it, then, then something's wrong. Now, I want to consider the evidence. Let's consider the evidence. Go over to 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 47. 2 Samuel. Now, this is the first mention of thanks in your Bible. 
This is the first mention of thanks in your Bible. So for those of you um, that this may be a new principle, the, the principle of first mention simply says that God is consistent in how he uses words in scripture. So when you look at the first mention, the first use of a word, you can learn a lot from that first mention, and you can expect that God will be consistent in how he uses that word throughout scripture. Okay, so this is the first mention of thanks in your Bible. 2 Samuel twenty-two forty-seven: the Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and, and exalted be the God of the rock of my salvation. It is God that avengeth me. And that bringeth down the people under me, and that bringeth me forth from mine enemies. Thou hast also lifted me up on high above them that rose up against me. Thou hast delivered me from violent man. Therefore I will give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen. I will sing praises unto thy name. So the context of this passage, as you study 2 Samuel 22, the context is deliverance. The word delivered is found five times in that passage, and so you can't miss it. In response to God delivering David from his enemies, David makes a decision to give thanks. Has anybody been delivered this morning? Has anybody been delivered? Anybody know what it is to be faced with the possibility of death and then to have God step in and deliver you from that? That ought to make you open your mouth. That's a reason to give thanks. And so this is main key point number one. A delivered people ought to be a thankful people at all times. A delivered people ought to be a thankful people at all times. Now what I want to consider firstly is the significance of thanks in God's eyes because perhaps this has escaped us. And this may be new information to you. So let's talk about the significance of giving thanks really quick. Number one, giving thanks is a sacrifice to God. So that's just not something we sing about, right? Because you know the song, we bring the sacrifice of praise. That sounds good, right? It's actually biblical. Go over to Psalm 107. In case you haven't figured out, none of the verses are on the screen, okay? So you're going to have to work today. You're going to have to flip. You're going to have to turn. You're going to have to use your your phone, or whatever you got going on, that's how you're going to pull it up today. Um, all right, giving thanks is a sacrifice to God. Here it is, Psalm 107, 21. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men, and let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Now go over to Hebrews chapter 13. I like this one. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. By him, therefore... Let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. The sacrifice of praise unto God, the fruit of our lips. There is an audible quality to it. There needs to be an audible quality. Now, if you're not convinced, I really like the passage over in Hosea. Let's go look at that. Hosea chapter 14. Because when I saw this, I was like, how did I miss that? How did I miss it? Hosea chapter 14 and verse 1. Watch this. O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Verse 2, take with you words and turn unto the Lord. Say unto him, take away all iniquity and receive us graciously, so we will render the what? The calves of our lips. That's an amazing picture right there. The calves of our lips. That that is a sacrifice in God's eyes. There's something about believers opening their mouths to render praise that gets God excited. And it shouldn't just be on Sundays, right? Now, this is, you're probably like, okay, so you just, you're biased, right? You just want to, 
improve the worship service, Eric. No, this is all through the week, right? So what that means is you have the ability to offer a sacrifice to God when you open your mouth to give praise. That could be in the car, it could be in the shower, it could be wherever. If it's sincere and you're opening your mouth to give praise, that's a sacrifice to God. But point number two, giving thanks is of greater value than animal sacrifices. Did you know that? Giving thanks to God, that's of greater value to him than animal sacrifices. Go over to Psalm 69. The psalmist says over in Psalm 69, verse 30, I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. Verse 31, this also shall please the Lord better than an ox or a bullock that hath horns or hoofs. The humble shall see this and be glad and your heart shall live that seek God. So God is more pleased with our sacrifices of praise than he is with animal sacrifices. So this gives you main key point number two. As New Testament believers, when we engage in sincere worship and praise, we are bringing a spiritual sacrifice before the Lord that is pleasing to him. It's pleasing to him. When you give God glory for what he's done in your life, when you're talking to a friend or a co-worker, you are making a sacrifice that's worthy in the eyes of the Lord. So let me recap where we are. We've established that it's the will of God that we be thankful in everything. We've defined what being thankful is, and we've also learned that thankfulness is of great value in the eyes of the Lord. So I want to spend the rest of our time this morning talking about one key blessing of being thankful. And I, and I feel like this one often gets overlooked. And so I, my prayer is that you, you take hold of what we're going to be talking about. But this is hidden blessing number one. Thankful believers are unshackled from the hurt of their past. Thankful believers are unshackled from the hurt of their past. See, over in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. He said in everything. He didn't say in the good things, the things you like, in everything. And I hope by the end of this message you can see you can see how you can give thanks to God for everything that's happened to you so far. Now, I already know that in a room this big, some of you are here today and you're actually hurting. I know that. Uh, it's hard to consider the command to give thanks for everything in light of the past hurt that you've experienced. Or maybe your attitude is, yes, I know that I should be thankful, but you don't know what he did to me. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what happened to me. I don't know your specific circumstances, but here's what I do know. What I do know that is that coming to a place where you can truly be thankful is how you break free. Thankfulness is how you go from being a victim to being victorious. And although it's a simple concept, it's incredibly hard to do when you've been hurt. I get that. You know, here's the thing that I'm learning. God's solutions are simple. Now, they're not easy to do though right like God's, solu it's, it's, God's solutions are easy simple to understand but when you talk about the actual doing the performing of it it can be hard and so I want to take some time and look at an example of someone who was hurt badly but was able to get past the pain to be able to, to move to the blessing that God had for him now I would use Job but in light of the fact that Pastor Brandon's been preaching on Job, I'm gonna leave Job alone, okay? <laughs> Just gonna leave it alone. And I'd go to Jeremiah, but some of y'all think that all I do <laughs> is preach on Jeremiah. 
So I'm going to leave Jeremiah alone, okay? But we're going to keep with the J's. Okay, Genesis 37. We're going to talk about the life of Joseph. Bam. Life of Joseph. We're going to consider Joseph. Go over to Genesis 37, and we're going to kind of walk through Genesis, and we're going to see what God has for us. Now, if you don't know the story of Joseph, he was one of Jacob's sons, and as you read Genesis 37, you find out that he was a young boy of 17 years of age, and he basically had his entire life ahead of him. He had some special dreams that seemed to indicate he had his whole life ahead of him. And you kind of see it down in verse 9, Genesis chapter 37, verse 9. And he dreamed yet another dream and told his brethren and said, Behold, I've dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars made obvious to me. Right. So in this dream, um, these, these things are bowing down to him. Right. That's a good vision at 17. Hey, everything's going to bow down to me. Right. So he's got his whole life ahead of him. Okay. Life looks promising for Joseph, but drop down. Now, see, it made his brothers mad. Drop, verse 11, his brethren envied him. His father observed the saying. Okay, so moving on down the verse uh, 12, and his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said unto him, here I am, or here am I. And he said to him, go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren and well with the flocks and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron and he came to Shechem. So this is essentially a normal day for, for Joseph. He's going, he's going to go check on his brothers. In his mind, everything's going to be fine. He's not planning on anything major happening and he plans on returning, returning home. Okay, but, look, but they plot to kill him, right? They see him coming and they plot to kill him. Uh, and then Reuben rescues it. You see that in verse 22, Genesis 37, 22. And Reuben said unto him, talking to his brother, shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness and lay no hand upon him that he might rid him out, that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. Um, and so ultimately, uh, they do that. Verse 24, they took, they, they took him and cast him into a pit and the pit was empty and there was no water in it. And then they sell him. Verse 27. Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him, for he's our brother in our flesh. Oh, how kind of you. You're only going to sell him into slavery. You're not going to kill him. Great guys. Um, so, he sell, so they sell him into slavery. Now, what I want, you to, I want you to be able to put yourself here. This is what happened. In this moment, his life is on a completely different trajectory. You see that? How he was just going to visit his brothers. He thought he was going to return home. But just through something that happened to him, his life is now on a completely different trajectory. And the people that he loves the most, right, have betrayed him. And I don't know if you've ever had that happen where something in life just takes you by surprise and it's like it punches you in the gut. I've been there a couple times myself. I woke up thinking it was going to be a normal day. And the stuff that took place, the circumstances of my life, changed forever uh, and so we're just going to kind of walk through it because I want to I want you to be able to see yourself in this reasons your past might be painful point number one because the events of your past were not always something you asked for but rather it was stuff that happened to you that could be painful you didn't ask for it but it happened to you and for some people those events are hard to get over 
For some people, those events are hard to get over. But let's keep reading. Go over to Genesis 39. So Joseph becomes a slave in Egypt. And he starts working for this guy named Potiphar. And things seem to be getting a little better. Now, this is only relative. He's still a slave, right? But he's, things are going okay with him working for this guy named Potiphar. Uh, but then he goes into the house by himself, and he has problems with, with Potiphar's wife because she wants him to, to lie with her. And so verse, Genesis 39, verse 12, and she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand, and he fled and got him out. And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand, he, he and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he has brought in an Hebrew unto us to, unto us to mock us. He came in to, unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass, when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. So she fabricates this story to say that he's guilty of wanting to sleep with her when it was her wanting to do that. Uh, and she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass, as I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment and, and fled out. And here's what happens. Verse 20, And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. So he's already a slave in Egypt, and now he's got to go through this horrible process of being falsely accused and imprisoned. It looked like things were turning around. He tried to make the best of a horrible situation, but Potiphar's wife got mad at him. And so she falsely accused him. And so this is reasons for your past that your past might be painful. Point number two, because the people in your past had power over you and used that power to hurt you. That's what happened to him. That's what his brothers did. They had power over him, and they used that power to hurt him. That's what Potiphar's wife did. And it's probably true for some extent for every person that's in this room that someone hurt you. And depending on the type of hurt, you might be tempted to wonder if you'll ever truly be able to move forward. Can I get over this? And perhaps when things started looking good, you got another kick in the gut, okay? So this is reasons your past might be painful, number three, because the events in your past seem to make it impossible for your present to be any better. The events in your past seem to make it impossible for your present to be any better. This happened to me, how can I ever move forward? See, I can see me in this story. You know, every year, and you should do this, at, at, at the beginning of the year, I always reflect on the previous year. How did it go, right? Then I always set goals for the year. So I can go back and I can look at the goals that I set for myself for 2020. Okay, let me tell you something. I can tell you there were a couple things that happened this year that weren't on that list, right? I didn't plan to get COVID and be hospitalized for 17 days. I didn't plan to be mistreated by my employer and then laid off, right? None of all that stuff happened to me. I didn't plan for those things. And it puts your life on a, on a different trajectory. Now, I want you to see one more thing about Joseph's life. Go over to Genesis 40. So he's in prison. And what ends up happening is Pharaoh has a butler and a baker that he imprisons, okay? So he puts the butler and the baker in prison, and, and they talk to Joseph. And the butler and the baker, they have dreams 
Uh, and Joseph interprets the dreams, and he, he interprets that one, one, one of them is going to be killed and the other one is going to be restored, right? Um, and so Genesis chapter 40, verse 14, he talks to him and he says, But think on me when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention unto me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. Um, and then he says, verse 15, he's telling him a story. For indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon. I'm innocent. This stuff is happening to me. And so Joseph's prediction comes true. He restores the chief butler to his butlership, and he, uh, he hangs the chief baker. Uh, now watch this, verse 23. Chapter 40, verse 23. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. And so Joseph got another glimmer of hope, but he watched it fade away. And this brings us to the fourth reason. And this is probably, in my opinion, the most painful reason. Because you actually waited for help and it didn't come. You wanted the help. You waited for it and it didn't come. You know, there's another story that kind of talks about this. If you know the story of Lazarus over in John chapter 11, you don't have to go there for time's sake. You know, they come to, to Jesus and they, they tell Jesus that Lazarus is sick. He's sick. You know, and so obviously they want Jesus to come now. It says, John eleven six. 6, when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, this was Jesus' response. He abode two days still in the same place where he was. Jesus didn't come quickly, did he? And by the time he gets there, Lazarus is dead. And so Martha says, verse 21, then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. I've been there a time of two myself. I waited. God, I waited. What happened? You didn't show up. Now, I know this is fairly depressing. This is a message about thankfulness. <laughs> All right, but I need you to be able to see yourself in this story. Because if you can see yourself in the crisis, then you'll be able to see yourself in the solution. You'll be able to see yourself in the solution. And so, Joseph, here's the point that I want you to understand. Joseph had every reason to be shackled by his past. He had every reason to live life. He could, have, he could have sung that song his whole life. I'm a victim. Woe is me. Here's what happened to me. It's not my fault. I didn't do it. You see that? He had every reason to be shackled by his past. But if you know the end of Joseph's life, then you know that even though all of this stuff happened to him, God was actually using it for a greater purpose. And even though his circumstances seemed impossible to bear, God had it perfectly planned for him. So go over to Genesis 45. Here's the key. And Joseph, so here's what happens. Let me give you the, let me fill it in. So God brings a famine into the land. Uh, Joseph actually ends up, because the Pharaoh does find out that Joseph has the ability to interpret dreams. Pharaoh has a dream. Joseph interprets it and tells Pharaoh, hey, a famine's getting ready to come that's really bad. Uh, and so what you need to do is you need to save a fifth of the land for this famine that's coming, right? And so Pharaoh's like, well, you're the only one that was able to interpret my dream, and so who's more qualified um, to oversee the land than you? And so instantly Joseph gets elevated, right, um, into the kingdom, and now he becomes this prince. And so the famine gets so bad that it reaches back to Joseph's family. It reaches back to Joseph's family, and they have to travel to Egypt to buy food. And guess who they have to talk to? Joseph, okay? 
Uh, and there's this process of Joseph testing them. But then this is what he says after he's revealed himself to them. This is, listen to what he says. Joseph, uh, Genesis chapter 45, verse 4. And Joseph said unto his brethren, come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall neither be earring nor harvest. See, what we've been discussing and what we've been seeing is that sin was abounding, right? Romans 5.20, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Sin was abounding. The sin of others was abounding in Joseph's life. But even where the sin of others abounded, grace does much more abound. And so what I want to get you to understand, and this is what we're going to focus on, three reasons to move from a painful past to a thankful present. Here it is. Number one, God wants to use you with your past experiences to help give life to someone else. He wants to use you with your past experiences to help give life to someone else. Joseph says, God sent me before you to preserve life. You know, there's something in each of us uh, that, that just, when you talk to somebody that's been through what you've been through, your heart leaps, right? It's like they understand. They know. And you, you don't even have to use words. It's like you just, you can say, I've been through that, and it's like, I get it. I get it. You've been through that. God wants to do that in your life. Luke chapter 22, verse 32. This is what God says to Simon. Uh, verse 31. And the Lord said unto Simon, 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 behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. So, okay, I'm not going to keep you from going through it. I've prayed for you that as you go through it, your faith doesn't fail. And here's the key. When thou art converted, what do you need to do? Strengthen thy brethren. Once you've gone through this and you've got the experience, then you can strengthen your brethren. So here's what I'm trying to say. God wants to raise you up as a testimony that says, yes, I have that past too, but I encountered God and I learned that God's grace is greater. I've been through that too, and I learned that God's grace is greater. See, I wouldn't know, I wouldn't know God to be a healer if I didn't experience pain. I wouldn't know God to be a way maker if I didn't experience my way being blocked. I wouldn't know God to be a comforter if I didn't have my comfort taken away from me. And so this is point number two. Point number two, God allowed the events of your past so you could show Christ's compassion to those, to the ones who hurt you. So Joseph responds to them in compassion. And he tells them, don't be grieved. Don't feel bad about what you did because he's able to see God's hand in it. This is what Jesus said, Luke 23, 34. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. See, to say that you want to be like Jesus is to say that you want to love the ones that hurt you. To say that you want to be like Jesus is to say you want to love the ones that hurt you. And so get this down. This is, in your, uh, this is the next part. Your past becomes the doorway to greater intimacy with Christ when you learn to love those that hurt you. When you learn to love those that hurt you. 
See, we don't have time to study it, but the process that Joseph's brothers go through in meeting him in Egypt pictures for you the process of how God brings people to faith in Jesus Christ. If you just study it out, how, the, how there's this, they keep encountering him, but they don't know it's Joseph at first. And they go through these tests. If you just study that out, that pictures the process of how God brings a man to faith in Christ. And so God wants to use you to be a part of that. But then point number three, being thankful for the events of your past sets you free to embrace the calling on your future. It sets you free to embrace the calling on your future. Look back at it. He says in Genesis 45, verse 5, Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. And then he goes on, For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall neither be earring nor harvest. And so Joseph's focus is on what's coming. There's more famine coming. There's more famine coming, and his focus is on how can I be a minister? How can I be a servant for that need? Because that's why God has placed me here. So he can show compassion to his brothers, and he can move to a posture of looking forward to the future needs. You can't look forward to future needs if you're still shackled to your past. See, I'm not caught up with the pain of my past anymore because I'm too busy being focused on the potential of my future. That's what happened with Joseph. He was able to look up and look out and see the famine. Do you think that you'll be the last person to go through what you went through? No, you won't be. Of course not. So could it be that God allowed you to go through that thing because he wants you to help other people get through something similar? He wants you to help people get through something similar. Don't miss that. Now, for some of you, though, I know what you're saying. You're saying it's not what others did to me. It's simply what I did. I've made poor choices, and I'm living with the pain of my own choices. And I can tell you that God still wants to use you despite your past mistakes. Now, how do I know that? How can I say that with certainty? This seems to be obvious, but I'll point out the obvious. You're alive and you're here today. You'll know God doesn't want to use you when you're dead. Seriously. When God's done with you, you're done. You're done. So there's not, there's not anybody walking around where God's like, oh, I'm done with this person, but they've got another 20 years. You know, they've got some free time. Like, that doesn't happen. You're alive because God still has purpose for you. You're alive because he's got purpose for you. He still wants to use you. Now, if you don't believe what I'm saying, listen to, listen to the list. Don't believe the lie that God can't use you because of your past. Let's consider the lineup of people that God has used. Moses, he was a murderer and a felon. Jacob, he was a liar and a conniver. Gideon, he was fearful. Rahab was a prostitute. You go over to Hebrews 11, and she's in the hall of faith. Rahab the prostitute, she's there, she made it. David, he was an adulterer and a murderer. Jonah, he ran from God. Elijah struggled with depression. Paul killed Christians. And the list goes on. So what do you have in comparison to the stuff that's on this list? And God used all these people. And so I just want to close in, in considering what took place at the cross. Because once you understand the power of what took place at the cross of Christ, then you understand that God is greater than the pain of your past and your past mistakes. 
See, what I want to talk about, this concept of resurrection power, I'm fascinated by it. Resurrection power. But I want to point out some things that, that, that um, maybe it should be obvious, but maybe it's not. Here's the reality. When do you get a resurrection? What has to happen? There's got to be death. Do you ever think about that? When we talk about resurrection power, man, I want that power. I want to see that. Right? So the, the, the story of Lazarus, the only way they were able to see a resurrection is they had to go through the death. They had to experience the loss. They had to experience the pain. Without the death, there's no need for a resurrection. There's no need for a resurrection. And so what that means is that when a situation is at its worst and it's at its darkest, that's when God's amazing power is most visible. When the situation is at its worst. So your past is not impossible for God. Your pain is not impossible for God. Main key point number three. It is at the cross of Christ where your pain and your mistakes actually become the platform that God wants to use to display his glory. It's at the cross of Christ where your pain and your mistakes actually become the platform that God wants to use to display his glory. What you thought made it impossible for God to use you is actually the very thing that God says, okay, I can take that and I can work it for my glory. I can take that and I can work it for my glory. And so the only thing that God is asking of you is that you would yield to his will today and be thankful. Be thankful. Because God says, I can use it. I can use it. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Can we have the worship team come up, please? 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And the promise of Romans 8.28, this is why God can say, and we know that all things work together, all things, not some things, not only the things we like, but all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray for you, and, 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 and I got some questions that I want to ask. Is there anybody that would say, please pray for me. I've got things in my past that's holding me back, and I simply need to give it to God and give thanks. I've got things in my past holding me back, and I just need to give it to God and give thanks. I see your hands. I see your hands. I see your hands. I've got things in my past holding me back, and I just got things that I need to give to God and give thanks. Okay, is anybody, there's anybody that would say, I've made mistakes and I have failures that's keeping me from seeing that God can use me. Please pray for me. Please pray for me. I want to pray for you. I see your hands. I see your hands in the back. There's anybody would say, I don't even know who God is. I don't know if I know God. I don't know that I know the God that, that you're talking about that's able to overcome my past mistakes and failures. Pray for me. I don't know God. Anybody would say that. We're going to take time in worship. We're going to take time in worship, but I, I want to challenge you to, 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 to come forward and have somebody pray with you. 
And we're going to have leaders standing down here, but don't leave here today still shackled to past mistakes, past failures, because God wants to set you free. God can use those things in your life if you let him. And so as we, as we worship, if you need prayer, you come forward. that today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in his word. For more information about Kaya, for service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.live.